0: What up, world? Welcome to another episode of Architects, where we speak to the architects of art, the leading voices of music, video, filmmaking, and beyond, individuals shaping the culture of our past, present, and future. I'm Tosh Crutchlow. Today, I've got two special guests on the show. One is an award-winning director who started his career in music videos and now is killing it in the TV game. He is a creator, executive producer, and producing director of Utopia Falls, a genre-bending Afro-futuristic young adult science fiction series that premiered as a Hulu original in 2020. The other is an author and cinematographer who came up alongside our very own Karina Evans. He has worked with artists like Drake, Usher, Coldplay, Ella Mai, Miguel, and more. He recently shot the feature film Spiral, the ninth iteration of the Saw franchise starring Chris Rock and Samuel L. Jackson. These two creatives recently came together to work on The Porter, an upcoming CBC and BET, Backed Historical Drama, which is set to be Canada's largest black-led show ever. Now, before we start, I want to take a moment to remember the incredible cinematographer, Halina Hutchins, who we tragically lost last week. I know we work in a crazy industry where it's always go, go, go and just make it happen, but we need to remember that safety has to be the top priority. It's great that we make movies and music videos and TV shows, but for not keeping our crew safe, so what are we doing? Rest in peace, Halina. Now, please welcome director R.T. Thorne and cinematographer Jordan Oram. But yeah, dude, I, yeah. Squid Game is 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 next fucking level, man. I love it. I love it, man. It's, uh, Dean and I were just talking about how it's just just watchable. It's just fun. Right. It's watchable. Right. It's right. And then what I love about it, it's like they go fast and then they have those moments where like dialogue, right? performance, dialogue, right. like really sinking your teeth into the characters. Like let me really fuck mm. with these guys. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, all right.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it, now for the wildness.
0: Yeah, it's great, man. It's great. And they're already talking season two. Isn't that crazy? The South Korean show is the biggest show Globally right now, which is, which is what I love about our industry, man. Like there's no Mm -hmm. fucking rules, Mm -hmm. you know, before the gatekeepers were like, no, our story, our tale, our, our fucking um, narrative. But now it's like, nah, it's a, it's a bigger perspective. It's a wider, it's a wider, wider world. It's a, it's a bigger palette for more information. And I love seeing, you just never know. You'll see a French you know, black uh, uh, lead man, right? Lupin, in, in, in a right. TV series, and now he's, now he's South Korean. <laughs> it can turn around and be Mexican. It can be like Norwegian. I love that. I love the fact that people are like, Nah, man, we just we just want some dope shit. We don't give a fuck where it's from.
2: What's, you know? what's, it kind of scares me though, because it, it it took like eleven years for this show to get off the ground. But it's just like whoever is selecting these shows, why are they? Why why is this the first time in eleven years? Well, that, that that's 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 by,
1: what Taj is talking about. Is that, is that the people that were mm-hmm. selecting shows? Mm-hmm. There was there was a, a there's a majority, you know, uh, of old school mentality that was selecting shows. I mean, first of all, there wasn't even streaming, you know. what I mean, so so you're talking about networks, right? I and mean, you're talking about networks. You're talking about traditionally, um, you know, white led institutions. Uh, based in Hollywood, that are just choosing everything. So it's the same. It's the same mentality that used to say that, you know, black people couldn't couldn't um, be the lead of a blockbuster, right? Because they they are, you know, locked into this mentality that in North America, black-led films haven't made a certain amount of money, and they don't think they can they can translate to a worldwide audience. But that's an old. School mentality that's rooted in a lot of problems, and now that there's streaming, that's that's what Taj is getting now. With streaming, with the streaming, it opened up the world as a distribution, and you know this this I mean whatever. I don't want to get too far into it, but it's just like like the this was something that Will Smith talked a lot about. You know, when he was running, basically he ran the world for 10, 10 summers. You know what I'm saying, right? Mm. And he was like, he was like, they're lying about a Black person not being able to be the lead of a blockbuster because I'm doing it. and But part of the reason also that he was able to do it is because he went out and did a lot of that press. He went to all those different countries. He opened his films in a lot of these countries. He went and did that work. And that is part of what a lot of the studios weren't doing. You know what I'm saying? So if they put a Black... Black person in the lead of a film, they weren't doing the proper international press. They weren't pulling the person out with them. They weren't finding the stories that would translate in those other markets to have these people be destined for success. But with the streaming model, it's distribution right to your home. You don't have to go to the theater. You don't have to read about it in a magazine. You don't have to, it's going right to your home right away. So what's super dope about that is that these different um, shows that have different people in them, different cultures in them, they come right
0: to your screen and you can just choose it right You don't, have to, you don't have to right go away. find it. You don't have to go find it. Exactly. They're not going to give you this whole excuse about these types of films don't sell internationally. Well, guess what? It's at your doorstep. And by people tuning in, this again supports our claim that people want to hear different stories from different perspectives and that's why I'm, I'm i'm loving this shit because now mm-hmm. it's like i don't know how much more we got to keep showing them outside oh you know black panther but it's a marvel movie oh straight up right. compton up because you're iconic rap group i'm like okay well can, i can flip the shit yeah, on youtube bro yeah. so that was an excuse but this is why this is why we love this podcast series okay um one it's about giving flowers to creatives from all walks of life, people who are innovators in the art of storytelling. And that's why I'm super honored to be having today uh, director, writer, producer, creator, uh, RT, and, and my guy, the myth, the legend, you know, the get it done, uh, the visual <laughs> painter, the cinematographer, you know, D.O.P. extraordinaire, Jordan O'Ram. Welcome to the show, y'all. Welcome to the show, okay?
1: Appreciate that. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. Thank you, And buddy. writer.
0: And writer for Jordan now, which we're going to get into. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Let's talk about yeah, the yeah, book. Yeah, yeah, That damn book. Yeah, the That damn book. Yeah. The author.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So don't,
0: don't, we got... don't downgrade him. Don't downgrade him. It's a writer. He's an Only author. Only upgrade, so... bro. You're author. You're right. You're right. My apologies. My apologies, you know, only Jedi Tings upon this blood mm, plot. Only mm, Jedi mm. Tings. So let's
1: <laughs> So let's no. get into
0: it, man. Um, can you guys just off the off the top um, hit me with like your top three movies or music videos um, that influenced you while you're coming up and why?
1: I mean I mean it's no secret if if you you know if if you know if you're one of my people and you've been to my, you've been to my condo back in the day. Um, you know my favorite film. You'll see you would see Radio Raheem up on the wall, in, in mural form. So my favorite film of all time is is Do the Right Thing, and um, you know Spike is a is an absolute um, uh, influential figure in my creative, um, in my creative world. I mean, do right thing is list. I just think it's like one of the per- most perfect films. I think it's a film about community. Um, it's a film about um, under- understanding. Um, it's a film about um, anger, laughter, um, joy. Uh, you know, it's a film about humanity. It's like it's it's a film about everything to me and. And it's one of the most perfectly executed films um, that I can that I can remember. It was the film when I saw it. It was the film that made that like turned the switch in my head. And and it was like oh shit! Like films are not just they can be more than just entertainment. They can be more than just oh that was a, that was fun to pass the time. That film, when I watched it for the first time, it stayed with me. I didn't understand how I felt about it. And I had to watch it again to try to understand how I really felt. I was so angry when I watched the film the first time. And I'm like, why am I angry? Like, what? Like you know what I'm saying? I have to dig in. Ooh. Whoa, what
0: was That's that? That's
1: exactly how it felt in my brain. <laughs> <laughs> It was like, I was like, yo, like I'm so mad. And I hadn't, I hadn't watched a film that had made me angry. You know what I mean? Like it, you know, so most films wrap up and you feel, you feel all right. And you walk away, you're like, oh, that's a good film. Or most movies, let's say, let me, let me get, get academic on it. So, so this was the first film that kind of like switched off and made me understand that films can be more than just entertainment. They can have social commentary they can speak to things. They can make you think about things, um, and and then it's just beautifully shot. Um, you know, it's it's uh, it's beautifully performed. There's so many um, amazing characters,
0: legends, and, and,
1: legends, and, 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 in that and film legend too, bro. legend actors who got like their start in in that movie. So it's just it's it's to me it's one of the most perfect films and. It definitely set me off on, on my path of realizing that storytelling is so powerful and that we can actually affect people in dramatic ways because the film affected my life in a very dramatic way. So that's, that's one of them. I feel
2: like I'm just gonna be talking, so I'll, I'll let Jordan jump in with one. <laughs> uh, I, I, I was R-T. gonna say, I wonder, I wonder if he's gonna say, "Do the right thing" is his favorite film because RT. I I, I, every time I think of RT, I think "Do the right thing." <laughs> <It's a laughs> methodical calculation. Um, mm-hmm. To add to what he's saying about just the concept of loving the films of the past, um, I've fallen in love with the Chi of Life. Just the mm. the concept behind authenticity. Malick. Yeah, man, Malik, just the way he approaches his, his cinema is so different because I, I don't think he approaches it from a technical perspective first, mm-hmm. from what I think. It's not as technical, it's more psychological. So for me, just connecting with that as an emotional cinematographer, I think it's very important to convey that emotion. And I think that for me is what allowed me to draw inspiration into wanting to be a cinematographer, to communicate visually through the lens, to the lighting, what mood is looking to be communicated um, mm-hmm. through collaboration. As well as you know children of men, an incredible dramatic film yeah. that explores the feeling of guilt, shame, uh, sacrifice, empathy, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and just the way that it was shot, a very, very simple approach to cinema and moving the camera without massive tools and technical things. Um, it just allowed space to f- be felt more than seen um, mm. and then I go back to you know my earliest form of childhood, and I think of Titanic as you're saying. You know, oh, wow. films that really teach me concept and theory of storytelling. Just the, the idea of taking something from the past and making it relevant in the present from mm-hmm. the way that they use the old, the, the grandmother tell the story. <clears throat> it was just such a beautiful way to see like, oh, you can really adapt and, and change the way you're approaching a modern film through historic telling, uh, storytelling. Mm-hmm. And that was a unique way. So, you know, I try to try hard to think about these types of films that inspire my thought process Often comes at how I'm feeling at the time because you know I love films like The Social Network that explore real reality. Um, The Social Network for me was one of the most influential films of my cinematography career because it was at the birth of the digital era in cinema, and you know looking at Jeff Kennett's story and really understanding where he came from, how his father passed down the torch it meant a lot to me because that was something that I wished that my father had passed down to me. But mm-hmm. with that, my father gave me the knowledge of self-preservation. So I took my own past and, and brought that into the present with that, with that story and said, you know, look at his story and look at how mine kind of aligns with trajectory of the decisions that he made as a young cinematographer. Um, so trying to be a lot more conscious now of the films that I'm, I'm allowing to be used in conversation Mm-hmm. Um, because I can't, sometimes you can't just dish out films. Like I could talk about Matilda and like things that inspired my youth in cinema, but it's going to be much different than the films that inspired you, you know? Right. So it depends. I love what, I love you
1: what, like. what you um, I love the films that you chose because you speak so much about the emotional quality of those, of those films. Um, but they are, the, the, the strange thing is, is they are quite technical, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. In, the, in their execution. And something that I realize about you as well is, you know, um, us having to be able to being blessed to you know, work together this summer, um, really for the first time, which is which is so bizarre for us. Crazy. You know? But uh, <laughs> I know. Um, but, you know, you're 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 such an emotional um, uh, and psychological uh, cinematographer, but you are incredibly technical. Um, and it's very interesting how you you separate those things, you know, um, how you live in that space. Because a lot of times, you know, somebody who's so technical really understands, you know, the the zeros and ones of their business and of their craft. They sometimes are very remote emotionally. They're very distant. You can't really have those kind of conversations with them. But you are you're, you're, you're such an interesting person, man, that I guess, you know, it all, it all flows together, but it's like, cause those two films, is like, you know, children of men, absolutely like simple approach, but absolutely have incredibly technical, um, you know, like that, that shot in the car, you know, when, when, when they're being accosted by the bandits and people are chasing them and they're in that car and that, and that, that, that rig to shoot that was such a incredibly technical, thing that he had to do and then same thing with Malik. while Malik is still it's almost poetry visual poetry right you know more, more than more than narrative storytelling his tree of life is like it's like a poem almost but even with that it's like apparently and and this is something maybe for you to check because I I read that he built three houses the shut the house that they shot in for Brad Pitt's family they built three of them so that they can continue to shoot throughout the day and always have the same lighting coming in different windows. So they built three different houses at different degrees. So they would leave one house, go into the next house, so they could shoot, keep I shooting in the, in, the, in, the, uh, in the daytime and have the light be the same. I'm like, that's, that's crazy. crazy. Like, you know, so, but it's, it's amazing to see that, that level of attention and craftsmanship to the approach to a film when you, when you, you know, when you have the money to do it, but it's, it's, it's beautiful to see that, you know,
2: it's like what you're saying is like, I totally agree. Thank you for the accolade. I think it's like, it's, it's thoughtful consideration of what is Mm. to be completed, you know, Mm -hmm. because like we're speaking about technical and psychological, but it's really the same thing just in two different colors. And I think with what the connection that we'll get into between a cinematographer and a director is, that's what's so beautiful about it, is like we can have the same vision, but have different ways of communicating it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what makes it very interesting when films like the ones that we're talking about are completed and remembered from the new filmmakers coming forward. Because mm-hmm. we always remember those moments and those things, it's like, wow, like, I wonder how they did that. But there's no other shot for Children of Men, like that car sequence, there's no other shot that would have done that justice. Yep. So that makes sense to do, you know? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
0: Talking about moments, um, I always like to kind of get a sense of when you felt, uh, I've had a breakthrough um, in my career, that moment where you feel like, motherfucker, I have arrived, Um, feeling that you're now on the stage. What was those moments for you guys that breakthrough moment where you felt like um, my work is being felt on a, on a whole other level and frequency. And I have now uh, attained uh, another level of, of, of success.
1: I think early on in my career, I did not, you know, I think being a creative, being a, being creative in Canada, (laughs) um, which doesn't have the the greatest reputation of celebrating its creatives until they, they do arrive um, quote unquote um, on the world stage or at least in the American stage. Um, So being a creative here, I think for me, I had to at an early stage in my career decide that it didn't matter to me what other people thought in terms of, um, you know, uh, the stage that I'm on, the level that I've reached to. For me, um, early in my career, and, and having, having watched, like, some of the greats, you know, our man X, uh, Hype Williams, some of these people be on these incredibly high world stages. That, you know, everybody knows that's, that's, that's a mix of, like, incredible talent, opportunity, luck. All these things gel together to to make a moment for certain people. And you can sit there and you can like, you know, it's it's very easy to get down on yourself because of the work that you're doing, but you haven't yet reached a certain place in this world zeitgeist. So for me, I just I just didn't want to I didn't want that equation to enter my head. I, you know, it was never about. Um, landing on on the cover of a magazine and me being able to say that, like okay uh, I'm here. Um, so when, once I figured once I figured out how to divorce myself from that feeling, then it became about the work that I was gonna do and whether I thought the work was great or not. And then that's its own journey, making sure that you get to the level where you're actually proud of what you've done. But once you achieve that level, for me that was when uh you know that that getting to that place where you complete a project and you're like, yeah, like I'm actually really proud of this project. Um, for me, that's what it was. So, um, and, and it continues to be, cause I, that sort of fuels me. Like I'm not in competition with anybody else. I'm in competition myself. I'm in competition myself to top myself. I'm in competition with myself to, to reach, uh, the, the, the goal of what I think it it should be, you know, my next goal. So, um, but if we're if we're pointing at a certain project or a certain thing that did that for me, like one of my one of my favorite videos that I did at the stage that that let me knew I could achieve um, visually and, and craftsmanship. The video that I was interested in was probably like um, Cardinal Official. Everyday Rude Boy was one of the videos that I just like had a vision for it when I heard it and I felt like we executed it um, to the T, you know, bringing in some of my Caribbean heritage into it, bringing in some Cardi's Caribbean heritage, giving it an old um, sort of 60s and 70s look. Um, and it was just, it just felt like fun, felt like, you know, so I was very happy with the execution of that video. And it was one of the first that I was like, you know what? I pretty much got everything that I really, really wanted to, and then the feel and the colors and everything that I really felt like, um, we had overcome our budgetary constraints and done something, done something nice for it. And it didn't, it didn't, it didn't hurt that we got recognized by, you know the Much Music Awards for Video of the Year, and 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 it being it being the first hip hop video to do that, which was dope. So that was nice in terms of the recognition, but it was really like just executing it well that did that for me. Um, and then most recently, you know, having to get create my own show um, with Utopia Falls, you know, and and creating something specifically for. You know the young, you know preteens of today, multicultural, um, and 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 having this story of like, you know, two black teens leading a little revolution in the in the in in the future, in a sci-fi future, finding hip-hop again. Um, I never thought I would make a kids show, but uh, but when I got to do it, I was very uh, proud of what we were able to execute with that.
0: So, that's dope, man. Yeah. Congrats, Congrats dope. on that, by the way, actually. Yeah, I appreciate that,
1: Appreciate. It that. was a
0: big, it was a big moment for the culture, man. Especially coming from a place where, to your point, where, um, our industry didn't recognize the brilliance of our creatives here, and mm-hmm. um, still don't. You know what I'm saying? Still but. don't. But but so so but t- t- but to answer but to add to that. Um, Toronto is a world class city. And I feel the reason why Toronto, the holes on the map, is because of talent like us, right? Mm-hmm. And the talent that come before us and after us and what's happening now. It's always been there. It's just, just like, just like the, the situation happening with, with Squid Games right now. It's just there's just a bigger lens now, there's a bigger mm-hmm. window because back in the day, it, America was about America right? And there's still a point of it where, yes, you need to become a certain, you know, you have to be endorsed or reach a certain level of success to be embraced by the US um, entertainment industry. And I get that. But you've also seen where other folks like the Squid Games create a level of success that the world now takes in outside of America. So there's a bigger, bigger playing field here, you know? And, And I feel like, The 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 quarter for what success is it's such a it's a it's a more it's a more complex conversation and not complex in a bad way it's just there's different Mm -hmm. levels of success you can't tell me chewing gum wasn't a fucking smash before you know what I mean like everyone talks about you know I think I made destroyer which is of course which is incredible right it's some genius shit but even that was some brilliant shit and what I love too is like how she flipped. How she flipped the the two spaces, and 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 innovated it, right? Mm-hmm. And and to me, it's always it's always a great thing to see what everyone now is bringing from their world, from their culture into the piece. Um, so, Jordan, to to throw this back at you, um, in terms of your breakout moment, um, what was that in your mind? That, for you, that that thing where you felt like, yo, my reach, you know, what's that moment for you? (laughs)
2: The first time I worked with you. Um, No, no. Uh, I think the reality of of career um, at a global scale, not macro, um, was definitely God's plan. I think for me that was, uh, and forever will be life-changing for the experience that we've shared along the journey that we've been on together. Um, I recall, you know, the moments of leading up to God's plan, the execution that Karina and I and the team were working on. Like we were executing music videos every week, every other week for months. Mm-hmm. And it was a consecutive growth. It was a build. It was it was momentum. And it was like, oh, whatever's happening is working. Let's let's stay on this path that we're on. And you know, it led to something that the world will be so thankful for in ten, fifteen, twenty five years from now, continuously, because it it evolved the community in such a way that we got to all share a moment. Like the Raptors winning. It was the same feeling. Um, you know, and I remember getting the call <clears throat> from Karina a couple of weeks before we head out to Miami and she mentioned, you know, if I was available to go to Miami to shoot this music video. And I was just like, wow, this is crazy. You know, like three weeks ago I was sleeping on couches. Now you're telling me let's go to Miami to shoot the biggest artist in the world for the biggest really? song that he's ever had. You know, so this is, a, this is, um, a true Testament to God's faith, um, and everything that he provides for us creators. And I remember, like, I didn't want to drop the ball because, you know, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of heavy hitters and there's a lot of pressure on the, the, the shoulders of those that made that project come together. And I remember calling every single cinematographer that I ever shot, Drake's Music Videos, I called every production house, and I put all the gear on hold. because I didn't want to mess up the opportunity. So I remember <laughs> when speaking our producer, Fulian. She, she goes, you know, Jordan, it's so weird. I called the production house and there's a package on hold for, for you. I was like, yeah, I, I put the package on hold already. And I, I didn't know, you know, I didn't, I didn't know structure. I didn't know how, how it worked in the game. So I was like, oh, I thought that was, that's what I had been doing for so many years. I thought that was, that was priority. And nah, just level, the level. Level
0: up thing, Level up Yeah, now, the, the, you know the I mean? level
2: of commitment, you know, like the level of just focus and determination in that experience was like astronomical to my growth. Um, and to, to add to what RT was saying about when you identify your own personal success, you know, a following moment leading up to that, getting out of the music video realm was my first feature, studio feature, Spiral. This is the, the ninth iteration of self franchise. Just based on the amount of pressure that was put up on my shoulders to complete a task that I wouldn't really know what the outcome could be. I just knew that whatever I had to do had to work for the opportunity that was presented. Um, just a lot of uh, a lot of personal growth. I remember on the first day of set, I had arrived on set at about 5 a.m. for an 8.30 call time just because I wanted to be over prepared in, in the arise of anything that could go wrong. And sure and behold, uh, there was a couple cars that were not moved on our set. And I was able to identify and tell everyone else, hey, there's some things that we still haven't figured out yet. And it just, it, it, it programmed my brain for the next 36 days on that project that I would be the person that could help somebody just by being prepared And it taught me, you know, things that I brought from my music video realm. I'm always nervous. It was the same feeling I had when I got the call for God's plan that I had on the first day of my first major studio feature. It's just preparation met opportunity and I was ready. You know, fast forward some years now, and I'm working with RT, a legend in the game, someone that I've looked up to for over 10 years. And that all came with forms of preparation that I was able to meet. So for me, it wasn't so much... Uh, a technical breakthrough as much as it was more of a personal breakthrough and trying to figure out, you know, what skill set do I have to better in order to get to that step that's going to allow me to find and flow with consistency a lot better. And like a lot of, a lot, even a, a major breakthrough side of just work. Um, and I'll share, I'll give credit where credit's due. Taj gave me the best piece of advice. Um, couple years ago and it was you know he gave me the three the three r's the three lessons of how to make the right choices for someone's career it was real revenue relationship and those three things over time started to make more sense as decisions that i was making didn't really make sense to make anymore it was like i need to make sure the people that i'm working with are respecting me the same way i'm respecting them i'm financially being you know offered what i'm truly valued at and I'm building a relationship with someone that I'm going to continually work with, and it's benefiting the portfolio. Uh, major, major news that definitely helped change and mold my career.
1: You know that Taj, he's got a couple of gems, you know what I mean? Ah! Once in a while, <laughs> once in a while, he shakes a gem out from the tree.
0: Listen, 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 listen. The roots. Listen, <laughs> how, how, how dare you? How dare you, right? You know, listen, my, everyone has a gift. My gift, my gift is recognizing talent, man, and um, and I've been blessed to be working in this business and also be a part of your guys' journey. You're a part sure, of my yeah. journey. Listen, you know what man. I mean? It's not it's, it's not just one sided and and to your point, RT, like yeah, there are those gems, and when you find those hidden gems, um, and you're the person to like assist with, um, give them that. That exposure um, that they need to really show the game like, yo, this is the next right now, this is the next, this is the next i I pride myself in that, man, because too many times just so much um great art that is undiscovered and thank again, that's why I love streaming companies because now sure. if we didn't have if we didn't have a streaming company, we wouldn't be sitting down watching squid games right now mm-hmm. that's real. It's real. You know what I mean? Unless, but we're different kind of guys because we're cultured like cinematically. So like, we watch a lot of foreign films. But the average Joe, who's like, no, nah, like what comes out in these cinemas is what I'm gonna watch. You know what I mean? Like instead of those no, guys, who are looking this for that did. that 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 exclusive, you know, piece of vinyl in a record shop. Like oh, B side, of Like that's us. But now it's like. You're getting that vinyl, that that exclusive vinyl on your on your table. Like, yo, listen to this, you know, mm-hmm.
1: um, it's a bro. Like, it's a, it's, a, it's a you know, Utopia Falls wouldn't have happened without a streamer. Hulu was who greenlit it. Nobody, nobody's, nobody would greenlight the concept of that show, in right. a regular studio. So it's it's exactly what you're talking about, man. You know, it's bringing the niche to the mainstream audience. They get they get to dig in those crates. They never used to. They don't know where the re- they don't know where that record store is. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. they don't know where that where that where that where that uh, Queen video is. That you know hey. they used to have all the yeah. Shout out to Queen video that had all the you know foreign films and the and the auteur driven cinema. The the average Joe doesn't know where that is. The average Jane doesn't know where to find that. So, you know the streamers are doing a, a half decent job of exposing people to. You know, different, different cultures, different creators.
0: You know what? Yeah. But do you know, do you know what else I found intriguing right now? I I love the fact that we are also in a time where there's more, um, there's a there's more of an appetite for um, highbrow content, mm-hmm. and like, look at what the companies like A twenty four are doing, and Focus Features are doing, and Neon is. You know, what I mean, like creating real um, art house cinema. And and again, I love seeing the fact that there's blends of all of it. You know, when mm-hmm. we came up, art house cinema is like, it's French, it's Russian, you know what I mean? Like right, yeah. American, like there wasn't anything that really spoke to, to, to pop culture um, until now. A lot of these, you know, former filmmakers were just from different places but now like you said like you have you know you have filmmakers like you guys um telling stories that haven't been told before which is going to lead me to the the next conversation about the porter which is one of the biggest productions that cbc has produced at its network if i'm if i'm wrong you let me know but that's what i read you know which is you know not bad for my my people, them, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> co pro co pro with BET. Um, talk to us, man. Like you know, I know you can't give all the gems, no pun. But um, at least give us a little, a little something, something about the porter and how you guys again have found this amazing uh, project to um, collaborate on without giving any of the, the secret, uh, recipe.
1: Well, I mean, the first thing I'll do is just pay respect to the creators, Arnold Pinnock and, uh, co-creator with Bruce Ramsey. Arnold has been sort of the, the flag bearer for this project for over, over a decade. Um, and just this, just this understanding of like, he found this piece of history about black Canadian history. And how it intersects with black american history um but that has been un, gone untold you know the this sort of and again you know that's just kind of a trend in our country um for various reasons but that a lot of the accomplishments and a lot of the the stories of of uh of black canadians is, have not been told so he kind of Came acro- across this and was found that he was like, why was he never taught this? You know, in school, why was he never taught about the the efforts of 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 Black Canadians who come from many different places? Um, you know, uh, obviously come from the Caribbean, um, immigrate from America, um, and 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 generationally have been here for many 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 years even before that. So. He had, he had found this, the, the, these stories and, and then uh, done a ton of research and then basically had brought this um, and has been pulling this project forward, um, brought it to Siena Films, uh, I think in an early stage, and then they kind of jumped on and felt this was very important to, to move forward on it. And, um, and then it's gone through different iterations, different people have gotten involved, but it's this current team that brought it together um, you know, Marsha Green, Anne-Marie Moray, uh, Charles Officer, um, and, uh, and, you know, late in the game trade was, 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 I, I was brought in, you know, and to, 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 try to help to shape this, to be something that, um, we could all be proud of, that we could tell a story that hasn't been told, but then also, um, in a, in a great way, tell something that's entertaining and captures you and holds you and makes you think um these are all qualities that you know we all really wanted to do cbc in uh canada is known for a lot of you know historical dramas and stuff um but we wanted to infuse this with a modernity you know we wanted to tell modern stories um with this and and really um talk about the ambition of these people. It's not just that these people existed, you know? It, it's not, We, you know, you can watch a documentary for that and and God hopes that more documentaries about Black Canadians come, come to light. But we also want to tell the story of how ambitious these people were. These people, we stand on their shoulders, literally, us, creatives, and a lot of the Black people That live in this country stand on their shoulders because the skeleton of the story is about um, what these men who were who were porters train car porters did for the working class um, black people of the time by forming the first black union um, that looked out for the rights of their workers and it's based on that work that we all have been able to move within our industries um and 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 be looked after as workers and be paid proper wages and be respected um in the, in the fields that we have so we literally stand on the on the soul the shoulders of of these individuals of the past so it's 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 been an absolute pleasure to bring that story to the world and let them know that you know these brothers and sisters from from Canada and from south of the border teamed up to to force the powers that be at the time to recognize the power of of Black ambition, um, Black intelligence, uh, Black excellence. And so it was really important for us to tell that story as well. It's not just a historical thing. It's about the ambition of these people and what what they pushed against, how they fought, and you know what they did. The mistakes they made, you know, the the love they had, the joy they had, all that stuff. So we're telling that story, you know, and it's been incredible to be part of that experience.
0: That's amazing, man. I, I can't wait to see that. And, you know, and of course, having, you know, Jordan as your cinematographer, man, you know, you know, you guys are bringing that. Well,
1: I'll say this too, right? Like it was really important as this team came together that we want, you know, that like, you know, there's, there's a little bit of press out there being like, you know, it's a, it's, it's, you know, it's a all black creative team and and whatnot. And, and we're proud of that. And we also wanted to make sure that the film, Oh, I call it a film is an eight part film. Um, cause we just, we doing this, this, you know, uh, limited series, but it was very important that we also had a cinematographer, um, that sees the world through a black lens, you know, um, and, uh, it's, it's, we wanted, we wanted to bring this forth with that vision. And luckily, uh, Jordan, you know, came on board and, and blessed us, you know, with it. So, I'll let him take it
2: from there. But you know. yeah, no, it's yeah. definitely an honor to work alongside Charles, RT, Emory, Marsha, the whole team. Um, it, was, it was definitely a brilliant task to, to have completed the timeline that we had uh, with the amount of prep that we had, the amount of episodes that we had to prep. Um, the reality of it was that you know we had to have a singular vision and a lot of decisions that needed to be made on set and off set. Had, there was a lot of conversation. And I think to what you know what we're speaking about with historical referencing, a lot of the films that have come before our time, bringing something to life as big as the images that we were referencing. Uh, I always tell RT and Charles like history is different when you're making it. It's not. It's one thing to live it, but when you're creating something that's going to last longer than you, the decision process it's a lot more careful. It's a lot more meticulous. So for me, you know, coming into the material. And really wanting to own it and own the space that Charles and the rest of the team were trying to create and RT were trying to create. It was very important for me to be as honest to the decision process as I could be. And making sure that the, the tools, the rules and the emulation of creating something was authentic as possible. Um, you know, for us, it was very important that uh, ensuring that how, how the material was, was perceived and visualized, it was as authentic as it was seeing it in real life. So seeing darker skin tones actualized in a space that's developed to be a lot more period in a very modern world, it was very difficult because we have to work with our production designer to ensure that we're we're still staying true to the time, but also giving it flavor so people can actually identify with it with relevance, cultural reference. The the texture, seeing seeing all the walls dappled in textured wallpaper, or you know, patina on a on a window smear or a candle that's been burning too long or a cup or a pot that's been overburnt on the stovetop. These are little things that most people, if you're not coming from a cultural place, you will never understand. And so for us, you know, even with the dialect, um, it was so cool to see how everyone brought that energy to life in reality. And so for me as a cinematographer, my only ability was to, I wanted to just make sure everyone was seen, felt, and heard um, through my decisions that I had to make. So working with the team and ensuring that Whatever I could do to support each vision of people on set was completed. So in the, in the series, you'll notice, you'll notice a very consistent theme and a palette that is very soothing, similar to how it is when you come home on a Sunday in a cultural neighborhood or a cultural community. You feel, you feel welcome to your, your home. You're allowed to be comfortable in our space that we created. And I think this film is going to do a very good job at identifying and showing people what Canadian history looks like in a much global way.
1: You know. Shout out to Rayon. Rejon, Henri and the his whole team. team. You it's know, um, the, the production designer. The production design's off the chain. We were just constantly stunned by we felt like we were back in the past. We walk into a walk into one of his sets and we actually felt like, you know, Rayjon, the whole team, Sarah, all, all them John, just they killed it.
0: So I'm gonna rifle off a couple more questions. And then we're gonna get to the wrap-up questions. So we're literally like a couple questions away, guys. Okay, I know you guys have, you guys are kicking it. You guys are killing it. You know, I know Jordan wants to go ride his motorcycle in the rain. I know it's real. Okay, so, <laughs> fucking Prince, Prince over here. That's I've been so seeing real. this guy. <laughs> Purple rain, rain uh, purple, purple rain. rain. Where's that? Where's that Apollonia, dog? Where's that Apollonia? Okay. Jeez, geez. All right. So, tizzle. Yeah, tizzle, 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 Who was one actor mm. you would give anything mm. to
1: work with? Wow. That's um, heavy. I mean, you know, I, I, I think you know, I think like. You know, the, I, I would say the most the, the standard response, what might sound like a standard response, um, is, is a Denzel Washington, which is without a doubt, actually, probably the truth for me, like just being able to be in Denzel's presence would be just incredible to be able to work with him would be next level. Um, I hope to achieve that at some point in my career. Um, but I'll tell you the truth. Um and I got to say, like, you know, there's people that that pass away in our time and um, you feel it, you know. And, and Michael K. Williams, I felt that on a deep level, that man, I would uh, man, I was I was writing something for him as a starring role. Um, the the empathy and this and the the emotional quality, this man brought to the screen, um, you know, he's a man that has lived many walks of life. And he brought that with every character that he, that he uh, played is a sensitivity to him that you do not see in a lot of performers, a lot of male performers. And, uh, I was writing something for him. I mean, I'm still writing it, um, but it was, I was, you know, he was he was someone that I felt like still had not been given that like iconic role, like an Oscar role. And I was just like, I, I, I wanted to create something specifically for him. So when I heard that he passed, it just broke my heart on many levels, but uh, I would give anything to, to uh, you know, to make that collaboration happen. But um, sadly it won't.
0: Crazy man, rest in peace Michael rest K, man. Uh, yeah, legend, 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 legend. legend. Um, and Jordan, now instead of an actor, we're gonna swap that out to to director mm-hmm. for you. Yeah, who would be that director you would give anything to work with?
2: I, I would have to immediately say Terrence Malik right hey. I, I wouldn't even I wouldn't I couldn't second guess it you know my first thought would be Malik my second guess would be Fincher right um the two I just think the, the fortitude that I would be able to work with to the extent of the conversation to the depth to the to the decisions to the just the material that would be chosen for us to collaborate on I think it would be a beautiful uh, extension of time share and transfer of energy um, I also think that it's very important that I understand what type of filmmakers I would like to work with, because that was a very difficult process for me. And it still is because it's a lot of material that you have to consume. But oftentimes, sometimes, you know, I have to I have to collectively like everything that I'm working on. So I have to love the material, of the filmmakers. But I think with Malik, um, I think that his material, it ages very well. I would love to. I would. Love, oh yeah, I would love to add my name to his to his discography as a cinematographer. That would be
1: wild. Whoa,
0: jeez,
2: jeez! That's gonna get into fruition. It's gonna happen.
0: That's it. Yeah, That's it, both. Bro. Those are those are two two masters right there. Two yeah. masters. Um, two masters. Yeah. Be very two different, completely two different experiences. Different. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Two yeah, levels. Yeah, two yeah. levels of genius techniques and yeah but two different yeah like fincher is a fucking beast i watch i watch the girl the dragon tattoo over and over and over again i don't know why it's just one of those movies i know people yeah. have their mixed messages about that film but just the way he shot that fucking yeah, film yeah, it's, crazy. Like it's that movie it, it went above a lot of heads eh i know i yeah. i love the original um uh trilogy series for the girl the <laughs> dragon tattoo but fincher's his 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 installment was was bonkers but anyway um now, we're getting to the wrap-up phase. And what's your, sorry. Are, what's your favorite Fincher film? I gotta know. Me? Yeah. Seven.
2: Yeah. Seven. I
0: thought it was just interesting. Yeah, there's there's no there's no conversation after seven, bro. <laughs> yeah. Uh Without due respect. You know, hey, fight club, yeah, I know, you're great. A, look, I love Finch. He's one of my faves, but yeah. seven, that to me is probably that's in my top, and I and I never do top tens of anything because I got too much love for so much shit. Yeah. But like, if I had a top ten, like, seven's in my <laughs> top ten, easily, uh, one of the best thriller drama uh, ever. thriller dramas, yeah, yeah. ever. <laughs> you know what I mean? And ever. there's only the only there's only couple couple people on that top ten list that can have real conversations because of course the master of masters is Hitchcock, which is a Mm -hmm. whole other conversation, but Mm -hmm. Seven, bro? Mm -hmm. Yo, dude, what's in the fucking box? Get out of here, bro. So real. (laughs) (laughs) That movie fucked me up, bro. The The fact that here is this movie that they make with so much moments where if he wanted to go there, he could make some of the most gruesome moments in Hollywood history if he wanted to go there. But instead, he said, fuck you. I'm gonna let that shit live in your brain. I'm gonna not even show you the, uh, the moment where the guy puts on a knife on his penis and fucks a girl to death. I'm not gonna show you that. I just want you to see what the blade looks like. And you're like, Woo-hoo! I'm not gonna show you the fat guy start, you know, <laughs> stuffing himself, himself, eating himself to death. I'm just gonna show you the aftermath. Like, the shit was just, yeah. it was just masterful, man. And the way he shot it, lit it, the moment you see Kevin Spacey down a Hollywood, the silhouette, come on bro, forget about it. Like, it's Darius fucking fiction, bro.
2: Real. Yeah, man. Hey, yo, dude, that's that film is a master fucking piece, bro. So that shit speaking of that movie, yeah. we we referenced that as our number one movie for Spyro. Uh, yeah. So I watched that film, like I studied that like the back of my head, because it was the one thing that gave context to, you know, heat mm-hmm. within a warm time of the summer. Texture, Mm -hmm. gruesome, the box, the Mm -hmm. whole idea of what's in the box. How do you build suspense around an object that's not physically seen? But give, Mm -hmm. you know, you never see what's in the box. That's the whole point of what's in the box. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, incredible. Incredible.
0: Tell us the last dope thing you've seen. And this now could be a music video, commercial, branded content, TV, short film, movie, cartoon, whatever the fuck. Just what is the last thing you saw that's been super super dope and I think I have an idea what that could be but I'm not going to do the spoiler alerts <laughs> <laughs> Hmm,
1: that is interesting that is an interesting question so I, I, I was in a conversation with somebody recently just saying how few and far between now I feel that I've had those you know I've watched something and had those feels you know it's like you know, you know, when I talk about Do the Right Thing being my favorite film, it's because I had those feels after the first time I watched it. I just I just like I just couldn't get it out of my head. I needed to watch it again. I didn't understand how it could make me feel. And those used to happen a lot. You know, like I remember watching Pulp Fiction having that. I remember watching Memento having that feeling, you know, Um mm. You know, like, it's just like it it shakes you and you're like, yo, what is this? Amelie. I watched that. I was like, yo. But it's become less and less over the past little while, to tell you the truth.
2: I think the last film Uh, that really made me feel something, it had to have been Uncut Gems. The way that I was able to feel mm. something from the movie. I hadn't been able to feel anything mm-hmm. from, from material like that because it was so fresh mm-hmm. in the concept of what right. it was actually trying to say. Um, but I don't think people are telling the films like what we're referencing anymore. There's no more mementos. Mm-hmm. There's no more fight clubs. Those films don't really exist in the mainstream genre. Like to find those, mm-hmm. you really got to be digging mm-hmm. to find that material.
0: No, it's, it's crazy what you guys are saying. You guys are speaking pure facts, but, Funny enough, um, at the top of our conversation, we were talking about Squid Games, mm, and yeah. I think for me personally, Squid Games is that. 100%. Um, yeah, like, dude, like you're 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 loving the characters. You feel anxiety from the fucking games.
2: <laughs> Don't <laughs> know
0: who's there. You're watching the game. You see people getting licked off around you. Spoiler alert. You know what I mean? Like it's. <laughs> It's it's really like it has you the edge of your seat, and then they flip it on you when you're having some real life conversations mm. with some people and hearing their stories and how they ended up there. And I loved it, man. I loved it. I loved the range. I loved the diversity. I loved the guy. If I look, I won't lie. If, if I had the balls, I would get the snake tattoo on the side of my face. That shit so is fucking dope. fire. I won't lie. I'm not a face tattoo guy, but if I was gonna do a face tattoo. That would be the face right, tattoo. I, 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 don't even, I don't
1: know about this yet. I don't know about it yet. So don't,
0: don't, don't Oh don't shit, listen. my bad, my bad, bro. Oh, don't, don't. oh shit, bro. Yo, you're going to change,
2: you're going to kick that shit back yeah. up and watch that shit. I think, I think it's the writing, man. The writing is what really kicked it over edge for me. Because I think a lot of people Incredible. need to rewatch it without the English um, audio dub. They need to listen to it in the natural tongue and read the dialogue because it changes everything. And a lot of people are missing. That's, that's, that's the only way I
0: watch it. That's the
2: only way yeah. I watch them. That's, that's the way I watch it too. Place. I didn't watch yeah. the
0: dub. I watched the uh, the, the original, the actual voices and subtitle. Yeah,
2: mm-hmm. it's So mm-hmm. good, man. And like, just very bold. Very, very, very mm-hmm. bold choices. And like the production design, I think is, the art direction was something that people probably didn't really notice as much as they should. But that film is like an eight hour, 10 hour commercial. Like it's just beautiful. With every department executing everything,
0: art design is mental. Yeah,
2: it's simple but incredibly, incredibly well done.
1: I mean, uh, I mean, all I'll say is because I, I know you all talking about it. Like I don't know. Like I, I would probably say the the last film that made me feel like I had seen something fresh and new, and I was like, whoa. It probably was. I mean, it's another. It's another South Korean thing. It's probably Parasite. I mm-hmm. will tell you the truth.
0: Ooh, come on, yeah, bro. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? They're out there, man. They're it's out probably, there.
1: It's probably Parasite. You know? Come and on, South dude. Korea,
0: the moment, South Korea. South Koreans been been doing killing it. Like, come on, bro. The wailing killer film. The yo, fucking wailing. Yeah, Old boy, <laughs> Oh boy. You oh, know. come on, bro. They've been slaying yeah. it. But yeah. look, that that moment, that moment in Parasite. When the the driver, the guy goes, "What's that smell?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yo, dude, that shit made you feel like, oh, that's yeah. fucked up, and you yeah. felt the guy be like, "What, you, like, yo, this man's yeah. really looking at me like I'm like yeah. some dirt bag." Like, yeah. you, like that shit just sat in, and you felt that, like, oh shit. Yeah. And when he stabbed him, you're yeah. like, whoa, like, yeah. that's some, that's personal. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. And and, and, and and again, I just, yeah, spoiler alert. And, <laughs> and, and if you want to talk about animation, I talked about it in a couple of previous um, episodes. Uh, Fincher again. Fincher's Love, Death, and Robots. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Season two was fucking crazy. I watched this so fast, I felt like I only watched one episode.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you just poured through it, huh?
0: Bro. Yeah. Life-changing shit. Yeah. life changing shit like so look I always say every generation it's just like even with music right people are like I don't know hip hop is dead I'm like you gotta gotta go through the crates you know and I think right now the crates are different you know they're not the ones in our local store now it could be overseas now like that's where it's at right look at again uh, I think I may destroy you yep some brilliant that shit come on that shit didn't fuck you up that shit fucked me up like of course of course of course deep movie deep movie deep movie man and it was just brilliant writing and bold again you know so it's those kind of things but um but guys this is this has been this has been amazing this has been incredible um
1: we didn't even get into jordan's book yo we need to get into jordan hold on hold on Hold
0: the phone, bro. <laughs>
2: Hold the phone, bro. <laughs> Come on now. We're talking
0: about controlling the narrative. You bro. know, you know what's so crazy? That I really have sucks. journey I have the journeyman here and I was like, because I was feeling bad, like, it's because we've been going super over. And y'all you know you're like, how long are we doing this for? I'm like, oh, shit, okay. It's Saturday, I'm sorry. But I like, you know what I mean? I don't like to have, you know, I'm trying to respect oh, your time. Man. You know, Jordan wants to ride his motorcycle. You want to fucking paint a wall or some shit? <laughs> I like to talk, bro. I like to fucking talk. But no word of a lie, I That's literally crazy. have, I have a note here, the journeyman. And I'm like, you know, but fuck it. All right, we're here. Fuck it. Let's talk about Let's it. Let's okay? talk, so, man. Let's talk. Jordan Oram, author, DOP, entrepreneur, mm. hustler of hustlers, the Black Evil Knievel, Please. puts out this amazing book called The Journeyman, which is mm-hmm. out right now. Mm-hmm. Jordan, let us know, man. Give so, us give us the 411, what the book's about, why you made the book, the yeah, purpose why? of the book, the teachings mm-hmm. of the book.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, give us some yeah, give, um, give us some teachings. Um I mean, thank you for the, for the acknowledgement, for the recognition, because I think that was probably the biggest task that I've ever had to put myself through during the time of COVID, of just self-reflection, try to understand what it is that I'm actually trying to get to the bottom of. Um, I've been journaling for about six years in my iPhone consecutively, trying to figure out how do I get through things that I can't talk to people about. And as a man that is successfully working in the entertainment industry, there's not a lot of things I can talk to people about because some things are personal, some things aren't. Um, <clears throat> I know I wanted to document something. I didn't know what, what platform it was going to come out on. And I remember doing, uh, I did a speech, I uh, did this talking engagement over at the Soho warehouse in Toronto, behind the lens. And I remember I brought candles that I love. And people recognized the scent of the candles in the space, the texture that I was bringing, a new element, other than just physical presence. and. I told myself if I ever made a book, I would soak it in essential oils so that people could be nourished with other ways, other senses. So I would seek to find paper that was curated um, elsewhere in, in fabricated or essential oil paper and it didn't exist. So I found a manufacturer in Nepal and I manufactured over 10 million pieces of biodegradable plantable seeded paper that grows birch trees, flowers after you plant the book. And the idea with it was that you would plant the information that I would uh, share with you in the, in the material, and you would plant it like the trees that you'd watered. Because something that, you know, most people that get books, they put them on bookshelves and they, they read them once and they never really exist. But for me, a lot of what my brand is, is plant your seeds and pray they grow. It's a lot about manifestation. It's a lot about looking forward and thinking to yourself, this could happen if I actually believe. A lot of the things that happened in my life happened because I had faith. So for me, if I could help shape, mold, play my part for the next generation, for my 30th birthday, I decided to give back in a way that I hadn't given at all. Without the use of Twitter, without the use of physical material, Instagram, any of that, I materialized the words because they meant more if you actually read them, sat with them and on your own time and planted them, and watered them. So as too the words would grow, so would your dreams and aspirations. So for me, it was just, a, it was another way to execute um, something with my time, because I wasn't able to work. And as a creative, we're always wanting to get out what's in our heads. And that was something that I felt like I hadn't said a lot of the things that I was able to jot down in that book. So I left most of my, my secrets in there for people to, to read over the years.
1: I feel I feel like I just grew. Just listening <laughs> to you, bro. Read the book. Yeah, bro. Okay. I can't, I can't plan, wait. Planting seeds in my brain, bro. I no. can't wait. I got, I got I shut can't down. I can't wait to crack it. I can't, I can't wait to crack it, bro.
0: Yeah. And, that's going
2: to be, and, that's, I'm going to, I, I, I got one for you too. I, I had,
0: well, I'm going to, I appreciate it, but I'm also going to buy one too. Got to, got to support you, bro. You know what I mean? had,
2: I had so many shutdowns, yeah. man. I had, I had spoken to maybe four or five publishing companies and they all said, your idea is not going to work. The margin for error is too high. There's a risk that you're not going to, it's not going to work. It's too expensive to produce. Like. And I said, okay, cool. And I went and I learned how to publish. Opened up a publishing company. I have an entire manufacturing assembly line that's taking place in, in Montreal right now, Quebec City. Because for me, it's about Canadian quality. Canadian have quality control. It took. It's taken me over a year to release my first product because I've had many mishaps. My whole bookstore burnt down. I lost thousands of dollars. But for me, it wasn't about the money. It was about the material. And understanding that it's a limited run. It's only 10,000 copies ever produced. Um, so it's it's really important that, for me, it's not about the quantity. It's about the quality. Um, you know? Yeah. That's crazy, bro. That's crazy,
0: man. I remember, That's, it sounds... Remember yeah. when we
2: were in Jamaica? I remember, I think I showed you the sample. The one that I printed in my dad's basement. I was like, look at what I did in my dad's basement. And now it's like, I'm rolling them out and it's it's crazy to see like the orders that are coming in. It's like wow, this is there's a reality outside of film, but it's the same contribution. This yeah, it's Storytelling, man. Yeah. It's
0: storytelling, a different different outlet, different medium. And you know, you went pro- you went progressive with it, you
1: know? And that's incredible, and, uh, bro. Like to to, 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 to yeah. make a book that you can plant after its life cycle is just incredible, bro. It's it's a it's a it's a rev- revolutionary concept, mm-hmm. I believe.
2: And, it's never um, been done. The world's first ever.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah. You know? And I, what, also, what I love about what you just told us is just that, too, that, dude, like you, people were telling you, people in these industries that, quote unquote, have more experience than you are telling you it's not possible. It's not, it won't work. Um, you know whether they, they I 'm sure they believed in the content but probably the form of what you were trying to do they were like it's not going to work it's not going to work
2: mm-hmm. and what I
1: love and this is a lesson to everybody out there listening is a lot of people will tell you something won't work, but what they mean is that it won't work for them mm-hmm. it don't mean shit that it won't work for you and you mm-hmm. you were you were you were driven enough and you and you put the work in to figure out how to make it
0: work for you and Mm -hmm. that's incredible bro again thank you RT Jordan for your amazing amazing story Um, I'm inspired and uh, again honor honor, honor to be a part of your journey man and um, just hearing just hearing how you guys think and your outlook and speaking from your experiences is just It's just a humbling thing to see that, um, you guys have developed and shaped into a whole new level of specimen, you know what I mean? In terms of just understanding this business, growing with the business, swimming upstream and fighting the fight. So again, salute to you guys, mad love, mad respect, and, um, Thank you for coming on to the Architects, man. This was this was a very special episode for me.
1: Much appreciated, my brother. Thank you so much, man. Thank you for having having me. Thank you. Thank
2: those. you, Tyson Architects. Appreciate it. Much love.
0: And there you have it, man. My two brothers, R. T. and Jordan. Thank you again for sharing such deep insight on your come up, your hustles, your ups, your downs, and all that stuff, man. Thank you so much. That was a great conversation and uh, hopefully y'all appreciate the gems that they dropped on this interview today um, and as always I want to throw out something that's really special to me I just checked out this new series on Netflix it's awesome man it's called Ganglands and it's a French series about um i'll read the, the log line when his niece comes in contact with a powerful drug lord medie and his team of experienced robbers find themselves embroiled in a violent and deadly turf war so it's uh it's a magical show y'all should check it out it's on netflix right now it's incredible and if you don't know uh about this actor you need to check him out his name is sammy butchered the fuck out of his name but he's a french actor and he is awesome he does a lot of great work the series is awesome great cast lots of diversity if you're into like crime dramas it's awesome 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 okay as always make sure to follow us on instagram and tiktok at architects pod architects is produced by fella in partnership with curious cast our theme music and audio production are by oso audio check it out peace mm yeah.
2: Season of 911 on a new night, Thursday, March 14th on Global. Stream on Stack TV.